Welcome to the Res Life Podcast with Dr. Chris Riley and Dr. Alex Schuper, the medical podcast for those at any stage in the medical field, from pre-med students through attending physicians and anyone else who wants to learn more about the field of medicine. Make sure to subscribe, like, and comment on this video to provide feedback on medical topics you would like to learn more about. Welcome to the Res Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Chris Riley with Dr. Alex Schuper back for another episode of the podcast. Today we're going to be talking about mental health, uh, wellness, physician burnout, um, as well as some other topics uh, in wellness. Dr. Schuper, how are you doing today? Good, Dr. Riley. How's everything going? How's your week going so far? Good. I just finished uh, obstetrics, delivered all my babies. Uh, <laughs> so officially done with that. That was quite nice. an experience. You got to give props to those OB residents, man. They work some crazy hours, uh, as I'm sure you know, as a neurosurgical resident. We, we, they work pretty hard. <laughs> they're they're there whenever we're there, and as everyone knows, there are a ton of deliveries overnight. So I definitely don't envy those guys. Exactly, they're just running around constantly checking and delivering babies, and it's just like, oh my gosh, how do you guys stay mentally healthy during this whole thing? And that's what we're going to talk about today. Not specifically about that, but we're going to be talking about mental health and uh, balancing your life. Exactly, as a exactly. So, Dr. Schuper, why don't you tell us a little bit about your approach to personal wellness um, in residency? I mean, you're you're already kind of a vet right now. You're, you're in your second year right now, so second year, but still very junior in the uh, long yes. seven year fall to yes. be a nurse. Fun, fun. Um, but no, it's it's quite the journey. You know, I think we have the advantage as physicians in that we had all of med school to kind of train for this. And that, you know, as a medical student, you work incredibly hard between studying for your boards, where you're studying 12 plus hours a day, to being on your clerkships, where you're working all hours. You really hone your skills in terms of figuring out that balance and what you need to do to keep yourself in check and to prevent burnout. And unfortunately, a lot of medical students struggle with that. And that only escalates in residency because as a resident, you're only going to work harder than you did as a medical student. Uh, burnout is imminent, you know, especially depending on your rotations, what specialty you're in. Uh, it, there's definitely variance there. But I think the, the biggest thing I've learned is just finding your swing of things, finding your balance and figuring out what it is you need to do to prevent burnout. And the difficult part is that it's not a set equation. That's different for everyone. And it's always in flux. You know, what might work for you one month might not work for you the other. And you really have to figure out, you know, it, you really have to ride that wave mm -hmm. and you're going to need different things at different times. There are, there are times that you're going to need to focus more on your physical well-being and your fitness and other times that you need to really hone in on some of your other hobbies. You know, maybe you just need to travel. Maybe you're, you're homesick and you miss your family that just being, being self-aware and self-reflective at all times is incredibly important mm -hmm. and constant check-ins cannot be overstated. Yeah. You have to constantly be checking in with yourself, especially as times get tough, as you're working long shifts, long calls, and you know, you're really grinding. You know, it's really important to constantly check in with yourself, see how you're doing. Are you happy or you're not? Are there things that should be going better at work? Do you feel like you're progressing like how you want to? Are you satisfied with your job? These are all self-assessment tools that you can use to assess, A, if you're having burnout and if you are 
how do you fight it? Mm -hmm. And hopefully even prophylactically, how do you prevent it in the first place? Yeah, exactly. I mean, mindfulness is, I believe what you're talking about. Mindfulness is a very big topic, especially in the emergency medicine community where there's a very high rate of burnout. And we have some champions of wellness like Dr. Arlene Chung from Maimonides. She's, she's an excellent advocate for wellness. Um, she gives amazing talks on it, talks about mindfulness, different ways to keep that work-life balance together and really prevent uh, getting to that point where you do feel um, like, you know, you're, you're not doing as much as you can. Um, you, you know, you're feeling that burnout, that, that heaviness almost. Um, like, you know, am I doing something that matters or, you know, you feel like maybe you're losing a little bit of empathy and that's when it's best to, if you see that in a colleague, you know, take them aside and be like, Hey, like, you know, how's, how's everything going? Um, cause it's not always just on the individual, right? You know, it, it's, it's on you as a colleague and a friend, um, you know, a fellow doctor or professional to just ask them, Hey, are you all right? Um, and sometimes it helps big time just to hear that question because then you actually take that second to be mindful and reflect and be like, Hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not all right. Um, and then just talking about it. Right. I, I think you brought up a good point earlier, Chris, in that emergency medicine actually, if I'm not mistaken, has the highest burnout rate in medicine. Yeah. If not the highest, definitely top three. Mm -hmm. um, and me and my colleagues have always wondered about this mm -hmm. because Emergency medicine is known as one of those lifestyle specialties. Mm -hmm. You work eight to 10 hours at a time and you work a couple of days a week. They're truly one of the only specialties in medicine that really works like 40 hours a week in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious your perspective as someone, you know, seeing it firsthand, why do you think there's such a high burnout rate in emergency medicine? So I think, I think there's a, a big misconception with where the burnout actually comes from. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh, it's, you know, it's hours. It's, um, you know, how fast we're working. We're going from person to person, that kind of thing. Um, you know, emergency medicine, as you said, the hours vary depending on what kind of attending physician you want to be. Um, you know, do you feel comfortable only working a certain, you know, the lowest amount of shifts a month? If you do, that's great. Probably have your loans already paid off and whatever. But, you know, there are some attendings that work five, 12-hour shifts a week. And in that shift, they're seeing, you know, 40 patients sometimes. And, it, and it's just you're going from room to room to room. And, um, you know, I think it's pretty easy to see where you can start to lose that empathy and start to lose that feeling, well, okay, you know, these are human beings that we're treating, um, especially if there's a lot of things coming in that actually aren't emergencies. Uh, dealing with that has to be frustrating. That leads to like this cynical um, attitude, more of uh, like, oh, what's this guy here for? Uh, another, you know, he stubbed his toe or up, oh, you know, another STD check. Like, you know, these are things that are not emergent, but they will come through your emergency department and you need to be willing to have that conversation with somebody or yourself to keep yourself cognizant of that these are people, they're here because they're worried, um, they like to be treated, uh, that's the emergency room. You can't turn anybody away um, for treatment. But I think the biggest thing is, is probably the patient to patient to patient kind of aspect of emergency medicine. Whereas, you know, you, you may have, um, you know, how many, how, many, how many patients do you see a day 
where you feel like you are making a personal connection to them? Is it like 80% or more? Uh, I would say it varies. It mm-hmm. depends on the day. Um, but most people. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the majority of our patients. Yeah. So I feel like in emergency medicine, you like the only way you can try to make that personal connection, because you don't know these people. We have no, we have no follow-up with these people. You know, they're just right. coming in. Some of them, were, were, they don't even have medical records in the uh, EMR. So in that first 15 seconds of meeting them, you have to try to find some sort of interaction with them, like some commonality, right? And sometimes that's hard. And um, you don't feel like that personal connection, uh, that doctor-patient relationship's there. And I feel like that's probably a big reason uh, that there's such a large amount of burnout in emergency medicine, especially. That's a great point. That's always been my opinion. Uh, when someone asked me, you know, oh, emergency medicine seems so cush and mm-hmm. relaxed. They work nice hours. They all like vacation all the time. They travel all the time. Uh, you know, why, why is this such a high burnout rate? It's just, it's a lack of continuity. It's just a revolving door. And I think at least from an outsider's perspective, I feel like it can be a little disheartening sometimes that you never actually, you guys don't get to see the final result yeah. a lot of times, right? Like, You'll die, you know, you'll get a CAT scan and you'll see, oh, this patient might have a brain tumor. They're going to need an MRI, mm-hmm. but you never actually see what happens to them. You never see like, oh, are they going to go for surgery and we're going to cure their cancer Exactly. or, you know, is something else going to happen? Or especially in trauma, you, you guys don't end up seeing what ends up happening to these patients unless you take the extra mile and follow them up when they're in the ICU exactly. or after they come to our floor. But to be honest, it, it's too hard just to keep track of all your patients. Like you said, when you're mm-hmm. seeing 40 patients a day. So I think it's that lack of continuity and lack of personal connection with your patients. It really makes it hard to find not, not, not pride in your job. Pride isn't the right word, but you, you lack that connection with your patient. And I feel like it creates, it creates almost like an isolation and a barrier between your patients. I feel like that's something that fosters burnout. One of the most important things is, is, is pride in your work and, and having that personal connection and that feeling like you know, feeling of importance and feeling that you make a difference in someone's life. And that, you know, regardless, it's interesting because you would think from an outsider's perspective that there's a direct correlation between amount that you work and burnout. Mm-hmm. And really, it's, it's actually almost an inverse relationship that this, some of the specialties with the lowest burnout rates are actually some of the specialties that, that work the most hours. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the ownership they have of their patients and that their patients are truly indebted to them. Uh, for example, like surgical oncologists, right? They work incredibly hard. They're working all yeah. hours, you know, same hours we do. But these are surgeons who also medically treat their patients. Mm-hmm. They're responsible for the chemotherapy, the radiation, and they end up performing their surgery. So these patients stay with these surgeons for years. Yes. They have so much pride and ownership over their patients, mm-hmm. and these patients become part of their families. So even though they're working these ridiculous hours and have not the best lifestyle, I believe it's it's the pride and, and the continuity of care that they have with their patients that really fosters in, in preventing burnout. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel like that's really important because like you were saying, it's very rare for an EM physician to follow a patient after they discharge. Like, you know, if you did establish an emotional connection with that patient in the small amount of time that you met them and, you know, they have a debilitating case or they have something that, um, you know, is an emergent thing that interests you or is like, oh my God, like this is crazy. Like, we, I need to figure out how this patient's doing. That's, I mean, 
maybe once a shift you'll get that you'll be like wow that was really like crazy like i need to follow that case and then you can look them up in the electronic medical records just to see how your continuity of care is um as you know being a part of that care team but yeah you're right i mean these surgical oncologists they work with these people for years and you're right they they establish that like family almost family like connection um and how do we combat that um you know in the emergency department i think a good way to combat that is, like I said, you know, take 15 to 20 seconds. That's all it takes to find some sort of commonality with this patient, make them smile, you know, make them laugh, you know, have that human connection. If you have to sit down in a chair next to them, I always sit down in a chair next to my patients. I never stand over them or, you know, stand next to the bed with them. Like I try to get on their level, you know, their eye level and actually try to get that human connection because that humanism in medicine is is a huge part of the burnout. That's the part that everyone starts to slowly lose as they uh, go through the years. Um, obviously, this is just my assumption of how it works, you know, being in the very beginnings of my residency. I mean, I, I did my EM rotations as a med student, so I saw it for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely a big problem in EM and a huge topic that is constantly discussed. Um, so now, you know, now that we've discussed burnout and mental health a little bit, when you think about ways to combat this, you talked about work-life balance, wellness, um, you know, what, what do you, what do you look for when you're trying to find that work-life balance? That's a great question. It's, it's really tough and it's hard, especially as you transition from being a college student to a medical student or being a medical student to a resident in that you try to really harness in everything that you used to do and everything in your past life. But the reality, the harsh reality of it is you're just not going to have the time or the bandwidth to continue to pursue everything that you were doing back in college. You just don't have the same time. You're working a lot of hours, you're busier, you're more tired. You're not going to have the, just the ability, frankly, to do everything you did. So that places more emphasis on those couple minutes, a couple hours of time you have here and there to really spend time doing what's important to you, what gives you joy and ownership and self-identity and allows you to really, really hone in on who you are and maintain that character that, that you hold on to strongly that in the end will prevent burnout. Yeah. And you, and you really try to pick and choose. I mean, like you said, you can't try to pursue everything. You know, if your thing is working out, stay consistent with it. Make sure you get your workouts in because that's going to keep you sane. If your thing's music, do that too. You know, um, I, I'm a big proponent of trying to get in as many things as I can. I always have to be doing something. I can't ever just like sit down and like, like even the other day I, I tried like watching Netflix and I, I could watch like one or two episodes and then I'm like, oh my God, like I have to do something like this is ridiculous. Like, and then I go and like record a song on my computer or whatever, or I re read a couple chapters of Tintin Alley's like, um, but that's just me personally. Everybody's different. If your wellness is watching Netflix, go watch Netflix, like do it. If that makes you happy. Um, and I think that's really important because not everybody's the same. That brings me to another point. Stop comparing yourself to others. 
Uh, this is something we all do throughout our entire lives with, especially in today's society, we have social media. I mean, it's just a, it's a highlight reel of everybody's life and, and not everybody understands that. And not everybody takes a second to step back and be like, all right, like clearly, you know, residency, residency isn't all that amazing. I mean, not just singing <laughs> on a railroad train track. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's just... For those of you who haven't, who haven't seen it, if you go on Chris's Instagram, he has a wonderful music video of him singing some Coldplay yeah. on a railroad train track. It's beautiful. It'll put you at tears. I highly recommend oh, it. Oh, yes. But yes. Thank you. I'll, I'll joke, joke aside here. You're totally right. Uh, we talked about this in one of our previous episodes. Stay in your lane. Most important thing you can do. Don't compare yourself to anyone except yourself. Only you know your own goals. You know your trajectory. You know where you're at currently and where you want to be. Exactly. Comparing yourself to others can be very detrimental. It's very dangerous and it will just perpetuate burnout. You have to take pride in what you do and really take ownership over what you're doing. And if you don't like where you're at, change it. Find it. Find a new plan, a new trajectory. I'm sure in all of your training programs or in med school, you have at least one mentor that can help guide you. If you don't look toward your peers, you know, but don't do it in a comparative way. Exactly. That's going to end up bringing you down. Yeah. I mean, it turns into one of those things where, you know, we're saying, oh, isn't, isn't like going from, from my personal experience going, you know, taking gap years and then going to a Caribbean med school. I mean, I didn't think that in a million years when I first wanted to be a doctor, I'm like, you go to high school, then you go to college, then you go to med school, then you become a resident and you're becoming an attending. Don't compare yourself to that. Like never compare yourself to that. Everybody's journey is different. If you want something bad enough and you are willing to put the work in, it, it'll come to fruition. As long as you keep that up and you have a plan and you have set goals every day. You can't just be like, "Oh, I'm going to do this" and then, you know, not have any idea how you're going to accomplish that goal. I mean, that's a little counterproductive, I would think. Um like you don't you don't just become a neurosurgeon overnight, you know. I tried. <laughs> Here I am, two years in. That's right. That's <laughs> Five right. Five more to go. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, let's let's move on to another topic. This is going to be the last to- topic we talk about, um, and this is a big one too. I think for a lot of uh, pre med students, med students, residents, even attendings, uh, especially new new attendings, is uh, this imposter syndrome. Um, you know. Did you ever experience imposter syndrome? That's tough. I, I think to some extent, I think... Well, I think the definition is is different for different people. Right. So so let's start with this. How would, how would you define it? And then I'll explain it in, in your way if it happens. Yeah, so, so I've always understood imposter syndrome as the feeling like, okay, like this is kind of crazy. I don't think I should be calling myself Dr. Riley or it feels uncomfortable to be calling myself Dr. Riley to people instead of being like, you know what? No, I put the work in, you know, I deserve to be here. This is, this is my calling. This is what I've worked so hard for. And I think a lot of pre-med students and med students and residents, et cetera, like I said before, you know, when you move on to that next journey of your life, you think to yourself, well, do I deserve this? Is, is this, you know, is this where I'm supposed to be? This doesn't feel right. It's new. It's weird. Um, so that's kind of my my take on imposter syndrome. Yeah, definitely. I think in, in that context, I, I did have it to some extent growing up. Dr. Schuper was always my father. Mm-hmm. 
never me. Um, even throughout intern year, uh, you know, patients will call me Dr. Shuba and I correct them and be like, no, my, you know, my name's Alex. Yep. Yep. But, um, I, I quickly learned after that, that patients actually instill a lot more trust in you mm-hmm. if they refer to you as doctor. Yeah. And a lot of patients actually don't want to know you. They don't want to know you on a first name basis mm-hmm. because that, that, levels the playing field with them and they actually don't want that Mm -hmm. they're coming to you because they're not feeling well and they have a problem and they don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. if they feel like you're just a friend and you're not some superior you know knowledgeable being that is going to instill wisdom on them and make them feel better Mm -hmm. that they're going to lose confidence in you so they want to call you dr riley so what i what i quickly learned really at the end of intern year is to stop correcting people they call me Dr. Schubert. I say, yes, I'm Dr. Yeah. Schubert. I'm your doctor. I'm a young, young guy. I'm early in my training. I don't look that old, but at the same time, I'm here to help you. And, and you, you deserve it. In. Right. You right. put the work in. I work in. for it, right? Exactly. I put the work in. I have the letters after my name. Exactly. Right. I, I have the education. I have the hours that I put in that, you know, I deserve to be here. Yeah. I think that's really important. And imposter syndrome is something that people can easily fall into that trap. And it's inevitable mm-hmm. because it's, there's a lot of uneasiness that comes with the hierarchy of medicine that you're always going to be junior of something, right? You're going to be the junior resident. Then you're the junior chief. Then when you finish residency, you're the junior fellow and then junior attending and junior faculty. So it, it really never ends. There's always someone higher than you. You're always going to have some inferiority complex so to combat that, you have to you have to be confident in your accolades, confident in your training, confident in what you know, and your abilities. Whether it's just your knowledge base, or you know, as, as a surgeon, your technical abilities, your ability to use your hands. Of course, and really important. Yeah. And- so, so Wikipedia calls imposter syndrome a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments or talents, and that you know comes back to, you know, maybe someone not feeling as confident as they should be. Um, and I promise you, if you, if you graduated from medical school and you were accepted into an ACGME accredited program, you, you're a doc, like you're a doc, you're supposed to be here, right? That you wouldn't have matched if you weren't supposed to be here. Even if you didn't match, you still have the opportunity to show them, yes, I do belong here. And if you're a med student applying right now, this is your opportunity. Be confident. Don't be cocky. There's a huge difference. Be confident in who you are, what you've put into this, your empathy, your humanism. Bring all that together and realize that you deserve to be here. Um, Again, this goes back to the whole setting goals things and actually having a plan to get where you want to go. Like, I can't just say one day, oh, I'm going to be, I'm an astronaut or I'm going to go be an astronaut, like, and then have no plan. Like, then I just sound like a fool, you know? Um which I, I guess, you know, if you decided one day you want to be a doc and, you know, you told a friend that, maybe they thought you were a fool. But at the end of the day, you actually had a plan and you were ready to attack that plan and do whatever it took to get there. So Definitely. Some, some great words to finish up on. Yeah, yeah. It was a good talk today. Uh, again, you know, we, we went over some mental health issues um, in residency and medicine in general, talked about burnout. Uh, and emergency medicine and burnout for sure, uh, as well as this, you know, stop comparing yourself to others. Um, stop doing it, guys. 
It's just going to drive you crazy. Um, and then, of course, we finished up with some imposter syndrome. So, Dr. Schubert, thank you for, uh, you know, joining us today again in another lovely co-hosted episode of Res Life. Uh, Dr. Riley signing off. Dr. Shoup, you any last minute words of wisdom? Yeah, I think you brought up some great points, you know, especially stay in your lane. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't get bogged down. Really look internally. Constant check-ins are so important. If you guys ever need anything, you have any questions, feel free to reach out to Dr. Riley and myself on Instagram or uh, through Apple uh, Podcasts. We're always happy to help. Absolutely. All right. Until next week. Bye, guys.